Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello everyone, and welcome to another week of Let's Drone Out. You are joined this week by everyone's favourite, Curry Kitten. Hello! The ever-present, the spectacular Jack, aka Brighton Till I Fly. Meow! And myself, the dude with silly moustache, Stephen. Hello everyone. Hello. So, what have we been up to this week? Well, you've bought a new camera, which is why we all changed our camera angles out of <laughs> respect <laughs> for the new high-definition Stephen. Yeah, per um, guidance from our Lord and Master, Andrew slash Frank, I obtained a uh, cheap second-hand Panasonic Lumix GH3 body off the Ebays and uh, spent quite a while messing around. I- I've not gone the usual route. Um, I have a cam link, but the cam link is here, unused, because it's going into a Blackmagic mini recorder, which is a PCI Express card which doesn't need to compress stuff so much. Um, and then there's some magic with FFmpeg that makes it look like a webcam and some extra magic that makes it not only look like a webcam, but one of the very select formats of webcam that Google Chrome chooses to pay attention to. So that was a miniature project this week, but I think the results are nice. And from this wonderful low angle, because it's stuck on a Gorillapod instead of mounted where I should have it, you can't see any of the crap in my room, which is amazing. You wouldn't know that there's like piles of half-built crap and graphics cards and PC power supplies. They're all just beautifully out of shot there. It's wonderful. I think it's, uh, it's quite an achievement, personally. Just You're doing well. My new angle reveals more crap on the floor. Oh, yeah. I know Curry's That's actually so gone through the cleanliness phase that we must all tolerate, and now he's back into the how-can-I-fix-all-this-stuff phase. So what have you been up to there? Uh, nothing. That's just clean up crap to get rid of, actually. That's really old stuff. I must just interrupt proceedings to get myself a quick drink. And this is mostly Ooh. to wind Jack up. This is this is my drink of choice. Can you just see that little thing there? Oh, Can you see no. that, Jack? No. So Jack has eaten so many Kit Kats the wrong way, I thought the only thing I could do is left, is try and wind him up by having the world's most exclusive beer, this is, of course, Gigabeer from Tesla. Oh, wow. And um, I have to thank Caroline, actually, who's in the chat. We donated this for me. Curry, so for our audio viewers, is holding a box up containing three items that are not unreminiscent of the sort of awards they give out at marketing ceremonies each year, um, looking like some kind of obelisk. It does look like an obelisk. I'm going to taste it. This is Giga Beer, very exclusive. Let's have a taste. Why does it look like a dildo? Man, you must have a very accommodating posterior. Mate, all sorts been up mine. 
there's a slight saltiness to it, but I think what happens is Elon <laughs> himself saltiness. does that's a little jizz in it. And Sorry. that's why it's so exclusive. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's all the sweat and the tears that go into it that would probably give it a salty characteristic. Yes. Um, yes. What like... Caroline is saying is it's supposed to look like a cyber truck. This, these were the exclusive things made when they built the Gigafactory in Germany. And the idea is... It get a does sound one. like a lot of old tosh. The more, the more you say it's, it, the less I'm taking this seriously. It's a gigatruck. <laughs> it's, very, it's very bizarre. It tastes like beer. But salty beer. That, that was my joke about the, the Elon Musk juice, but there you go. Okay, all right. It's not bad. Yeah. What is it? Is it a lager? Uh, it looks jet black, but I'm guessing it's not stout because it doesn't. The black bit doesn't move when you pour it. No, it is. It is a lager. If if we, you can see it's quite light, really. You can see. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all. It is a bit wee wee coloured, but it is beer after all. Huh. So there you go, Jack. Exclusive Tesla beer. Not for you because you don't like Teslas. Nice. I'm enjoying an old fashioned myself. Simple. You will receive a photo from me, and you're not going <laughs> to like it. <laughs> I've kept my old-fashioned with mead out of that's, that's, that's quite frightening. Mm. I've had photos yeah. from Jack before I had to unsubscribe from the Jack's his photos. Yeah, I imagine you're anxiously seeing if there's going to be any on-device scanning of your iPhone after that photo. Yeah. Check the news. Um, oh, and... I was going to say that Curry was very helpful and corrected me for being both stupid and wrong last week. Hands up for my error here. Because I assumed that Unity wouldn't do anything that was quite as stupid and developer hostile as they in fact have done. So do you want to walk us through this whole big mess that that we have now uncovered? Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't blame you for where you were coming from because you were taking the, the very sort of like, well, they wouldn't do that because that would be ridiculous. But they were absolutely ridiculous. What what Unity, the, the game engine, attempted to do was uh, change their EULA, remove their terms of service from their GitHub repository, and just say, oh, we're just going to charge everybody an install fee for... And there, there were limits to it. There was You had to have 200,000 installs and 200,000 in lifetime revenue. But that wasn't kind of the point. The point was, A, they just changed it on a whim. B, when it was asked, like, how are you going to measure installs, mm. they, they said, well, we've got our own proprietary technology to do it, which is meaning that if people multiple install it or delete it and reinstall it, it counts as a charge. People pirating it counts as a charge. And the, the fact they were going to monitor it themselves sounded like they were going to install malware on your computer, essentially, to do it. Yeah. So I don't know if you've been looking at the fallout from it, but some, oh, some yeah. major developers have just been like, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're, yeah. We don't care if you roll it back. We're, we're out. We're changing game engines. Yeah, once and, you've lost developers' trust, like, they don't want to be kicked twice. Yeah, I mean, the CEO... Multi-year projects, can't it? Like, if someone was about to ship a game, the new license terms have completely changed their possibilities of how much revenue they can earn from that game, the ease of longevity of the code. It's just thrown everything up in the air, and, and it's shown Unity to be someone that, when they say they're going to do something in 
2022, you can't trust them to follow through on that in 2023 because they have in the past stated that they wouldn't do what they've just gone and done. Exactly. So for people, even even for people thinking, oh, they're going to roll it back, they're now like, well, what if they change their minds again? Mm. And they're, they're, they're doing it retroactively. So you, you clearly said like, oh, well, they're not going to do it on the, the version you've got because this is like a new license. So they're saying if you released a game five years ago, using the engine, and it now generates this many sales, which many, many things do. There's many sort of old things that are still generating a lot of uh, installs and stuff. They, they want to charge you for that. Yeah. The latest leaked news to Bloomberg is they're going to roll it back and say, we're just going to charge a 4% flat royalty on sales beyond a million dollars. And developers are going to self-report that. But at this point, so many people have left that it's and what's the motivation right you you struggled quite a lot i think with input and other things and we we look at unreal it seems every year there's another glorious tech demo that comes out running on kind of constrained hardware on consoles that achieves some quite stellar performance and unity a lot a lot of unity projects are the type of um i've got two minutes waiting for a bus type mobile games they're not really hmm. they're, they're not hitting the heights that unreal has no, and, there's, and there's, lot... there's no AAA titles. There's, there's some very big titles, very popular ones that have been released using the engine, but they're not at the cutting edge. The reason um, I used it initially, because I was on my older computer, and when I tried to run Unreal, it just, no. And so Unity was it. But Unity is very good at cross-platform development. So I could literally take all the code and assets that I developed on the Mac and just said, now make it mm -hmm. for... Windows, now make it for Linux, and with some, quite a lot of tweaking, in fact, for Android and iOS. Um, and that yeah, works. I was very excited it... to see the Linux version. I was like, oh, wow. And and it pretty much just ran. I think we hit like a corner case where some of the fancy renderers didn't work, but that was fixed fairly quickly, yeah. wasn't it? So where Unreal is fantastic as the high-tech stuff, it's not so good at cross-platform because it wants to mostly sort of compile native stuff, which means you're sort of, oh, I have to go get myself Windows PC to make this or a, a Unix or Linux to do something. And the really good technology like Nanite rendering is only available. They, they built it to uh, DirectX 12, essentially. So for, you know, you want, you want it on Vulkan, you need it on Metal, you even need it on OpenGL to be perfectly cross-platform. So that's why I've held back not doing anything on it. I wanted, yeah. I wanted Nanite. For, for Mac, so I could be truly cross-platform on it, but it's not at the moment. Well, is there something like DXVK you can target? Because I'm playing a lot of DX12 games on Linux, and uh, there's a translation layer that just bungs it all into Vulkan called DXVK that Valve, the people who, who run Steam, have kind of sponsored and, and made sure is fit for purpose. And that's what's enabling the Steam Deck, for example, because the Steam oh, Deck's okay. a little Linux handheld. And it does that so it doesn't have to pay a Windows license fee. It doesn't have the privacy problems of Windows, doesn't have the, you know, driver problems of Windows. But it does have to, you know, emulate all, all the games so that it can't run DirectX. It's got to convert things to Vulkan. And it manages to do it on a, a pretty basic CPU. Oh, I could take a look at that. The, the only other thing with Unreal, it's not particularly lightweight. So whereas my sim ran on, like, old potato mm. PCs, I think moving to Unreal makes it more of a problem. The, the current plan on the sim 
is like I started this race stuff, which I will finish off on Unity and release. And I think that'll probably be it. The next project is 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 trying to be a a more general game that I want to make, which is going to be in 2D, which again Unreal doesn't do particularly well. So that's probably going to be on Godot or Godot, however you want to pr pronounce it. And then if I do something else in 3D, then that will go over to Unreal. Yeah, I was wondering in terms of performance, how much of that is the engine itself, and how much of it is the availability of these, you know, Nanite and other fantastic terrain tools, which you could use, but maybe you don't have to use if you just want to create a city that is a bunch of like uh, square buildings with textures painted on them. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, what the the idea of Nanite, and, and for people that don't know, Nanite is is an idea of of rendering where the level of detail is automatically done. So if you have this amazing scene with millions of polygons, then it will say, okay, well, that rock only needs four polygons because it's that far out. Previously, you would have had to create multiple models to do that previously. So it allows me to be kind of lazy and just like stick high-res rocks on without really thinking about it. That's kind of the idea. Is What I've had to do in the current thing is, is go back, especially when I was like looking to convert to mobile, where we had uh, memory constraints, is look at like how much texture memory we're taking up and, and change things mm. around here and there and it's changing bits and bobs around until it worked. Didn't you in fact have a procedural terrain generator at one point when you were testing things out and, and some of those terrain generators were so resource intensive you had to just forego them and go for more basic options? Yeah, I tested out a whole bunch and they, they put like, oh, let's put one billion blades of grass in your scene and have it wave mm. around in the, in the wind. and. And doesn't matter how far away you are, we're still going to draw them perfectly. Mm. And yeah, and then you get about four frames a second. So, so yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff got chucked out because it wasn't fit for purpose. Uh, the, I used one of them, which was pretty good at creating a map. And then basically, you just go in and take out all the bits that, that are sort of all singing or dancing that you don't want, and then change it to to what you need. Back back to the latest legal contract stuff. So they um. They said they'd never change the terms, and then they changed them, and they deleted the old version so you couldn't haul them over the coals on it. But but apparently there's a pass if developers, specifically those doing mobile, are happy to enable the telemetry service and send all of their user data to Unity, then they can get a, a free pass on the licensing. But it feels like that they just can't find a big enough shovel for this hole. Yeah, this was apparently to try and compete against this. There's a service called App Lovin which is a kind of mobile ads type thing. And they, they purchased something called Iron Source, which was their version of it. And so in order to try and put this app loving competitor out of business, they were then saying, use our services and we won't charge you anything. And of course, developers weren't having any of this. So some of the biggest mobile developers out there decided what they would do is just turn off all ads that went through Unity services to really hurt them because that's where they make their actual money on ads. Um, so yeah, it, it's been an absolute garbage fire for Unity. I, I found out that the, the the CEO of Unity used to be CEO of EA, which, oh, that which a will lot. say a lot oh. for some people. Apparently, he had the idea <laughs> that during a game, as people playing like Call of Duty or something, one of their games, if they were like <laughs> the reload, midway, yeah, the, the reload, the midway through the game, they need to reload. Let's charge him a dollar, 
as a microtransaction for the reload. Oh, that was his idea. So you can just see where this monetization <laughs> thing comes what in. What an absolute insert your expletive of choice. I mean, yeah. an absolute and total one. Wow. It's not good. What I forgot there. about that. I forgot about the. It's amazing, isn't it? That's it's EA so through and through, though, isn't it? Like, they just keep themselves alive by repeating massive franchises that are guaranteed to sell to, you know, gamers who are not particularly discerning, you know, the, the big kind of basketball or football franchises, and they just get so much money from those. They don't have to have ethics. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm, I am I mean, sorry, we're, we're way off subject here. We will come yeah, back to it. But I'm very against when close. you release a game and all the content's there, but you hid, hide of it, you've hidden part of it through a paywall. So it's like, oh, sorry, did you want to use this gun? That's going to cost you. Or this gun, it's, it's already there. It's not like it's DLC. It's just like, oh, you would charge you extra for it. One but second. Anyway. I will be back. Okay. Drone stuff, everybody. How's Well, it's not been the week for it, has it, Jack? What have you been up to? No. Uh, surviving, surviving the weather. Just fighting it all the way. Um, but we have got fantastic uh, RC news, though. We have got good news. Good. Uh, let's hear it. You ready? Hobby on, King are back in the UK. Oh, did you see the logo as well? It showed a forklift truck lifting a large shipping container. And I was wondering, like, are they back to pick up their dangerous, flammable old lipo <laughs> container? I thought, me, I thought me and Curry would be up for it. Unfortunately, uh, hang on, I can share my screen. I don't know whether they actually... Do you um, have the graphic of Hobby King back in the UK? Because there was one where they were just holding... Yeah, you see, they're holding a massive shipping container in the front page. And it just made me think of that container story that, that you were telling us. Is it, it, I mean... And I, 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 I heard I, about it. I wasn't sure if it was good news or not, quite honestly. Unless we get to steal their car again, that would be quite good. Arguing bit, mate, that is it's gone. It has got to... You can buy some guns. Realistic guns. guns, Turnergy stuff. That's the bargain bin. I'm looking for, I don't know, the blog. The there we bin, go. Bin with Hobby King, though, isn't it? It's like that's their shtick. There you go. They're, they're lifting the we're back uh, 20% off the, 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 that's the EU warehouse. I can't think of where the. Well, where it is. Let me, but that's about it, I think. I think that's all Look, anyone ever did. There's a wild NDRC out there. They are coming back. They were at Old Warden at the weekend. The most stuff is out of stock at the moment. So same old Hobby King then. Yeah. I guess they're good for planes if you're into dodgy servos. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they're useful for bits and pieces, really. Like Hobby King are the place you, you end up when you're looking for some obscure connector and you just need something that turns something into something else and Hobby King will have it. But these days, a lot of sellers on eBay have kind of filled the space that Hobby King have left, I think. Yeah, I remember I, the last few orders I had, I'd like, oh, I need a battery and I'd get like six meters of this wire and that wire and a few connectors and bits and bobs and that, that about did it. But um, yeah, as you say, eBay, 
it's just like any any grade wire, any color, any length now as well. I mean, usually free shipping. There you go, Jack. That's the that's the shipping container right there, isn't it? Yeah. The notorious dodgy lipo shipping container containing all the packs that were returned because they weren't up to scratch. Was it Curry? Was it you with the, with the video of like us going through it? Yeah, I can't remember who recorded that video. What legend? I, re I recorded, it. and then you—you you literally said you, you can't show this. <laughs> but no, and then they left, so we're okay. We could show it. Yeah. But now they're back. <laughs> and then we were like stealing like their bloody like Land Rover. Yeah, this, we just borrowed it a bit, put it back. I don't know why they gave us the car. Apart from you asking cheekily, which normally just gets a no. It's just because the fact we managed to go in and talk to that new CEO and then we came out and said, can we drive the car? And they were like, yeah, I guess so. Just It's just come out you from the, the CEO. Maybe that's CEO, okay. Right? You, must be, you must be trustworthy. Yeah, right. we're super, super important. Weird. I, I, I think I've done really good in regards to that. And I think you've done an awesome driving job, Curry. Thank you. Oh, I didn't crash it. That was the main thing. Yeah. That would have been embarrassing. We'd have had to just drive off. Yeah, it didn't, didn't break the vehicle, you know, which could have easily have happened. Yeah, bear in mind we were hanging out the windows at one point. Well, you know, girls want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of fun and such, has anyone actually done any flying? I mean, we're in the middle of some torrential rain and flashes of thunder over here, so I haven't... I did up. some flying, but it was indoors. I was testing out the HD Zero goggles, and Ooh. so I was flying an HD Zero quad and an analog quad and getting head tracking working and testing it out with OpenHD. Lots of things. Cool. I saw the little whoop did really well kind of going down that little alley on the side of your house where you normally have everything fail and go to static. Yeah, it did okay. I think HD Zero's got its place, and it's not—it's not for looking pretty, but it is—it is very noticeable that it felt almost exactly like flying analog, but mm. with a nicer picture. And I thought the breakup would be really annoying, but you know when you sort of you concentrate when you're flying on one bit, and the sort of peripheral breakups going on behind you doesn't doesn't really matter. But when you watch okay. it on YouTube, you think, "Well, oh, this is awful." I found it the sheer brightness of the breakup because the screens are, are, are quite good and it just really like almost eye-wateringly bright breakup, uh, which caught me by surprise a bit. It seems a lot brighter than the type of static I'd normally get on, on analog. But yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a terrible system. I did see that they've dropped, a, I think it was a 90 or 95 pound VTX, which is a bit on the, the heavy side, but there's some cheaper stuff out there as well, isn't there? I think so, because I noticed that the... Um... That little quad I got, I think it retails at about 190, which I suppose for an HD that's good. Whoop is is not bad Under at all. So if you compare it to like Walksnail or something. It's 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 certainly cheaper. But um, yeah, yeah so it's kind of it's interesting. As I said in in the review, there there isn't there isn't one goggle that does it all, is there? There's like a goggle that I I felt that the HD Zeros did a lot, and I I really liked the the, the little wheel. And I thought oh, the UI so much was, better than was the joystick on the walk. So much better box. than walk snail. I can't tell whether I'm going left, right, or up and down. I'm constantly having a problem there. 
I'm constantly like having to take the thing off and be like, right, which direction is left and which is right? Because I just can't yeah. get it straight. It's a real problem. But walks now, for some reason, they said, oh, no, you don't. They're trying to move everybody off analog, but they didn't think, oh, we should, we should maybe have an expansion port to put analog on or HDMI mm. in or something like that, which is which is where HD0 really comes in for the yeah. pure versatility. We had that silliness uh, of, oh, you can either have HDMI out or HDMI in, but you can't have both, which is clearly BS because the HD0 goggles are right there with two HDMI sockets, one in, one out. So, you know, what gives? They can't do both at the same time, though. They can, they, they, they can do... But that means the goggles do nothing other. just passing a signal through, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that... That that was only of relevance if you wanted to take something externally, yeah. watch it, and have it on an external screen. Um, and the you other might thing, buy an HDMI matrix switch if you're going to do that. Well, just yeah. The other thing they it. can't do is is record from HDMI to their DVR, which I found a bit of a shame, but never mind. But yeah, nice nice goggles. I I, I saw you mention that they really pinched your nose. For me, oh, they, they, I got yeah. them relatively comfy. I find all the both walks now. Um, and HD zero are quite heavy, and I had to have the strap kind of quite tight, else it sort of wants to go forward. I can imagine with HD zero plus the Walksnail VRX, you might have to start putting some sort of count balance I think on your head. The, to the stop set I had had an odd faceplate because I, there was like the main goggle bit, and then there was a foam bit, and then there was another like sharp bit that was kind of like a flat panel, the edge of which was on the sides and bridge of my nose. Oh, right. I felt like maybe they put an alternate faceplate on that just wasn't Steve-shaped. It was someone else's shape. Oh, maybe. Because sure. I did Didn't get two in the box. A wider one. Yeah, I, I had two in the box. So what I did, I put the phone round and held it to my face. And on the on the bigger one, I could I sort of get my finger in. So I used mm. the, the smaller one that was on there to measure out. But that was that was quite comfy. But like you said, maybe they've maybe they've changed it since yeah. since you got yours. I have I have got a big nose. Or flat Me too. Or whichever. Yeah. I didn't think I had, I thought I had a, a beautiful, cute nose until we went to some cartoonist to do, like, you know, here's a oh, caricature. No. And he said to me, You've got the perfect nose for me. I was like, What's that mean? Like, then I, then yeah. I saw the caricature. And I was like, I had to ask my wife, Do I have a big nose? And she said, Yeah, didn't you know? No, didn't know. I can't see it from here. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not. I've, Poor I Carrie. Differently big. Differently big-nosed. Uh, speaking of silly HD systems, hello, mm -hmm. Superfly. I built your frame at last. Me. Superfly sync mode with accoutrement, including an unusually installed uh, skid that wouldn't actually go under the arm, so it's over the arm. I might find a slightly longer antenna and put it where it's supposed to go soon. But this has got the O3 and a dazzling amount of TPU, as, as our video viewers will be able to see. And also the the, the dodgy Mepsking motors, uh, Failsafe had a set that uh, he wasn't wanting to use, so I popped them on there. But a GPS mount on the on the nose, and it's working. plastic? Like the motors? Motor. No, they're metal. They're just powder-coated. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's got an O3 in there. So... It's got the full FAT03 in there and a six, uh, 30 by 30. My first 30 by 30 build, I think, this one. So easy. Like, uh, I didn't need to, I used the big tip, the one I did for XT60s. <laughs> I just did the whole thing with the big tip on. Um, 
That was a doddle. Um, but yeah, so room uh, that for means activities. That... Huh? Room for activities. Yeah, yeah. Room, room for all sorts. Like fitting the compass in wasn't a struggle. It normally is a struggle. Um, and that meant that the super light, tiny, whatever it is, shaved down DK Sto3 went into this little guy, which has the, the teeny weeny flywoo one. Um, I did get in touch and tell the guy, have you got a camera mount for this? Because it turns out the flywoo camera mount, which is like a kind of claw mount that goes round from the back and just bolts onto the reverse of the lens instead of having a fully enclosed thing. It's like a skeleton that just grabs each corner of the lens. Um, isn't the normal DGI size. The normal DGI size is a 20 mil. And this one is actually 18 mil. It's a one mil narrower than the normal 19 mil mount. So it's way too loose in the O3 uh, mount. So I, I thought I'll ask the guy, see if he's got another mount. And then I ended up just printing the normal mount out at 90% and sort of wrestled it onto the frame. And then it was the right size to go through. So I, I, I cheated a bit there, but now it's totally under under 250 with a quite lovely F745 all-in-one from Flywoo. And the Flywoo naked air unit, it's got the... I didn't even have to go down to the crappy little uh, dipoles. I've got the regular antenna in there, so I could drop maybe two grams if I went down to dipoles. I didn't think I could quite drop enough to get a GPS on there. That's my only gripe. I would have liked to get a GPS on there. But that would probably mean using rubber bands instead of a battery strap and going for crappy dipoles. And I was just like, oh, never mind. I'll just keep it like a decent one with all the features. I still got 1505 here as well, which is quite nice. 1505 and the 03. So it's got a little bit of oomph to get out of trouble. Um, yeah, lovely little bird. I was flying it quite a bit. And I've, I've gone down from my optimistic 35 degree camera angle to to 20 degrees after realizing that filming smooth cinematic footage while ripping balls wasn't necessarily easy to do. And it would probably be better if I just flattened it a bit. But yeah, a couple of little bolts. I'm looking forward to it not raining, getting them out. I think I think early next week, we've got a couple of days of maybe not rain. Maybe not rain. Welcome to I've the UK. Got, We're hoping I've got for maybe not rain. Piling up now. I've got my... Chimera 7, I want to retest with my big batteries. And I've got, um, for the for the HD0 test, I set up head tracking on my uh, mini Talon, which I've got a new Express LRS receiver on there, the 14-channel one, where I'm mixing S-Bus and PWM for funds, mm -hmm. um, which I can test out. I've still got the Bixler to fly, loads of stuff. But, yeah, the weather is not being very cooperative at all, is it? Been pretty awful. I got an offer to go fly from Tom, and I was busy doing other stuff, and I was like, I can't. And then the next day I was free, and then kind of was dying a bit from that. And then you know, I was like, oh, just like ships in the night, missing, keep keep missing out. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. We've got a little comment from Andy there, by the way. Oh, I saw this as well. On the, on the Caddox Facebook page, 
it looks oh. like they're talking about a new walk snail goggle, which may have analog uh, possibility to it. It's, it's a yeah, bit weird because all you can see is a silhouette. So it's a, a little hard to tell what's going on, but maybe. Who have you got a link? Take the, uh, uh, I think Stephen's on it. Is he on it? Oh, I saw it earlier today. I'm just trying to remember where on earth I saw it. Ah, there we are. I saw it on Facebook. It, it doesn't give much away from the picture, though, I have to say. It's like, this is what it looks like in the dark. So just imagine it just behind Jack yeah. there, and that's quite a good impression. Yeah, it's it's like these new car teasers where it's just... Uh, Smoke and darkness. See if I can get the right window up on the full screen. There we are. Boopity boop, boop, boop. Here we are. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to maximize it so you can see what's going on. Of course you can't. But there's there's a hint of a diopter adjustment at the bottom. And I would say going from... Where's the old yoink? Grab my own walk snail. Just They've got that background. <laughs> I mean, it's the typical. It actually, looks like the the X terminal wind the thing for like X windows on Unix. I, I would say, given the height top to bottom on the the current goggles, they look like they're maybe going towards a box goggle, something that's a bit thicker from top to bottom, because those the knobs at the bottom where you've got the IPD adjustment are visible over the bottom white bits of the X. They look quite far away from the top edge of that image. Unless they've got oh, it at a not. weird angle. Sorry. Mm. So it might be something a bit or, chunkier. Or maybe the special edition is they light up like Daft Punk. A bit like the big announcement from Radio Master was a boxer, but it's transparent. Yeah. Maybe it's not oh. as much as you think. Oh, I was enjoying that new boxer. That was quite nice. But... um. I'm interested to see what Walk Snail will do. They've been talking about messing around with the bit rates and things. I'm just not sure whether that they're staffed with radio engineers who can actually yield any additional like performance out of the system themselves at this point. So it might be good in terms yeah. of ergonomics, but I don't think we should expect to see 1080p 60 or anything like that. I think it, or 1080p 100 is, I don't think that's going to happen. It, it would be, and I, I think you mentioned it last week. It would be nice if they uh, they had some of the functionality at least available and open sourced that. I, yeah. I can understand them, you know, not wanting to re reveal everything about it. But it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of pretty clever people out there that might be able to eke out some more performance. Oh, totally. That you yeah. might not do. Yeah, yeah, the people who are looking at how the video uh, stream is structured and whether there's optimizations that could be done at the MPEG level, whether there's optimizations that could be done at the radio level, if they would open it up, then I think they've got a lot of help. But even HD0, who have, in quotes, open-sourced their offering, have really open-sourced only the user interface portions. Like the, the, yeah, There's some user so accessible portions, but the, the guts of it aren't. So yeah, the, the the goggle firmware or the, the the UI part of the goggle firmware is is available to mess with on on GitHub, which is is possibly the reason that the um, I did I did open like a support thing when I was having problems head tracking, which turned out to be oh your PPM stream is inverted and I didn't know that, 
Um, and the, the response I got from HT0 is, oh, we didn't write that bit. Try asking on Discord. Telling. Which which surprised me a bit. I thought, well, oh, that's interesting because they don't like know their own stuff or, or what. <laughs> or that, that, or that the risk here is that when a team of, of keen developers gets hold of something and starts writing that the features come in thick and fast and it, it's kind of difficult to keep track of what someone else has added to your software if, if you didn't write it yourself. And especially with something yeah. like head trackers that 90% of people are not going to use, it's pretty difficult to know what's going on. Yeah. How did you find the head tracker, awesome. by the way? You've kind of dropped a hint there that you might be doing head tracking with the HD Zero. Well, it's it's as you know, it's it's built in there, and I thought, mm -hmm. oh, I'll just plug in a cable and try it out. And um, I made a, a cock up on my radio initially because I'd watched in a video uh, previously someone talked about using if you use a TR1 as the mix source, then you wouldn't actually have to enable the trainer, which turned out not to be the case. So I was trying to do that, and it wasn't working because I hadn't enabled the trainer. So then I put the head tracker on a PPM display at this little UIUV, and it was like all the channels were going like crazy, and I was like, that's weird. And I plugged it into radio, and that worked absolutely fine. So that's when I wrote to him and said, what's, what's going on? Is this, is this weird? Is this, this bad? It's only when I put it on my little, I got this little um, oscilloscope, like $20 one, mm -hmm. and I could see that on the radio, the 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 PPM stream, you know, you've got like the, the signal and then the gaps and the, the signal's high and the gap's low. And when I put it on the head tracker, it was the fact that the signal was low and then the gaps was high. So it was an inverted signal. That's and so the little URUAV thing couldn't work it out. But once I put it on the radio and put the, the trainer on, it, it could work it out fine. But it completely threw me off trying to diagnose oh, so it. The trainer it, function it, does it, understand it being inverted. Yeah, the trainer function does. But because, because I was sort of, I went down this route and I was like, well, this PPM displayer said it's, it's gone crazy. Obviously, that one couldn't. So it was throwing a right wobbly. And I was like, oh, it must be, it must be crap, but it was fine. But apparently, um, I just did it on a wired thing, but people have been using uh, wireless. That's one of the sort of community developed next, ones. So it's got an ESP32 in there. Yeah, so exactly. So they're using that in conjunction with the, the backpack on the radio in order to control head tracking that Ooh, way. So with an ELRS backpack, so not even so it's, yeah, so it's within ELRS from I think it's freed up free, I'm gonna say. That's so I'll handy. test that next. I'm gonna do it wide first, see how it goes, and then I'll start playing around with the, the wireless. So are you like tromboning the head tracking data from the ELRS module into the radio and then remapping it to channel and sending it back to the ELRS module? Or how does that Yeah, because essentially that's how it would happen. When you've got your cable, it's just here are some channels, and then you say, okay, this this particular channel is mapped to like TR1. So that means it's the first of the the, the PPM stream comes in, mm -hmm. and you say, that is my source for channel seven. And then you do this, and that then sends that to the camera. So you're just basically doing the same thing, but instead of going through the cable and into the mix, it's going into the ORS backpack. And there's a apparently there's a does it go straight thing. from the backpack to the TX or does it go backpack into radio through the mixer and then out to the TX? No, backpack to radio into into mixer. I think into okay. well, presumably into mixer and then out. So much much the same way, just cutting the cable out. Very but I think you you set it up in the lure to say I'm using head tracking. These are my channels and and do it that way. Fascinating. Because that's the, the answers from the Discord when I asked them, 
rather than saying, oh, if you tried, <laughs> you're doing it wrong, it's like, oh, pff, do wireless. It works all right. I was like, oh, well, this to work first. The problem with HT and HD zero goggles, Andy says, is you can't change the gains individually. And, and that's just what I was trying to get at by asking, does it dumbly pass them from the backpack straight out of the LRS module? But from what Curry's just said, it sounds like they're actually visible to HTX as mixer inputs. So that means that HTX should be able to go, oh, right, yeah, I'll just up the gain on this channel and give you a bit more of left and right and a bit less of up and down or whatever it is you need, right? Um, yeah, you've got you've got a proportional thing to say how much of a percentage you want. But what you don't have, I did notice, is like a reset button. So on on Fat Sharks, if you're using, I don't have a Trinity, but there's a button, and if you press it, I think that resets it. So if you if it goes out, and you're like sort of, oh, I can't I can't get it back, trying to trying to turn all the way around. I mean, I've got all mine on a switch anyway. So if like I, I flick a switch and I'm back on like pots or uh, sliders, and then I flick a switch and I'm back on head tracking. But you can um, you can obviously go in and recenter it. I've got an emergency go rescue in case it goes haywire. You can just go center. Yeah. Cool. Pretty much. What, what do you, so, yeah, you do the head tracking on? What sort of planes do you have set up for that? So the the Bixler that was behind me has a pan tilt, and I always used to use my Tyrannus with the the side sliders. My uh, Mini Talon. That I'm trying to get back in the air again because it's got it's an old legacy um, Eagle Tree vector on there, so I've just connected that to this 14 channel uh, Beta FPV receiver, which is is interesting because it mixes S bus and individual PWM channels. That's so just got a pan on it, so that's been set up as well. So I'll be able to try those both out. I've, I've never I've never used it before. I've, generally generally speaking, when I've had the slide, it's like look at the wing. Oh, look, a wing. Go back to the center. Or where's my friend? He's, he's, he's around it. I've lost him. Sort of thing like that. But mm. doing this. Now, now it's going to be like looking around like this. It's going to be interesting because yeah. I think you, you kind of learn pretty quickly to keep your head still when you do an FPV. And if I've watched myself back and it's kind of, you know, it's like you're having a stroke or something. You just like go sideways and maybe there's a little bit of shuffling. <laughs> but now yeah. it'll be like sort of Stevie Wonder type ways of FPVing, so really interesting. I wonder how the lag would feel. That's the one thing I've never figured out with, with um, head tracking, like how much lag there is between the input and the server affecting the change, and does it feel kind of weird? It's, it's pretty quick. Servo's, servers are pretty quick. So I can put the slider all the way down, and it will go vroom, So it's, it's kind of like with planes, you're not flying them a couple of inches like above the ground. So normally, you you know, Couple of hundred feet up, so you, it's it's not critical. But generally speaking, it's it's not it's not too bad. But then again, you haven't got that sort of precise control. Don't forget again that you're not you're, looking at really tiny targets either, are you? You're looking at a rough direction. You're not trying to like look at something and open a door or like you would in VR. Or yeah, I mean, it's um, it's always interesting when you know we were doing chase flights, and the the most interesting shot you can get is like when my friend comes up and he's on next to me and I can look across and I can see my wing and him just sort of above, just sort of trying to hold position there and just trying to keep that is, is really intense. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so it's it, really immersive. It should be. Yeah, hopefully we'll see.
We'll see. Fingers yeah, crossed for next week. Another shout out to uh, to Richard Warwick. Yeah, that, that is actually the reason I started watching LDO as well. But NDRC mentioned it on his channel. And uh, look where we are now. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Andy is the best. I, I've got a. I, I've. I don't. I don't know whether Andy. Let me know if you mind me sharing this. But I've got a lovely picture of Andy eating hot dogs. So, when do you think we're going to be able to get out flying again? It looks. I had a. I always check like the the BBC forecast for my area, and that's how I knew like the entire week was a write-off. But Monday and Tuesday don't have it raining. It says gentle breeze and the little sunshine thing is out with perhaps a shadow, which is good enough for me. And the, the wind will decide whether I'm going to fly multi-rotor or fixed wing. Because the only problem with fixed wing is you have to land it again. And at the moment, that could mean just like all this mud going <laughs> as we yeah, come back down. Like a bit of a liability. So you're going to go out and try fly those uh, two little quads you've just yeah, built. Yeah, so I've got Hopefully the O3 thing you. set up. Um, for also, for, for people who might be flying the latest beta flight version, because I think we're about to hit RC with version 4.5, which introduces, if you're on Walk Snail, colored fonts, which is pretty cool. Mm. The WTFOS guys will be doing colored fonts in the future. Right now, if you are using beta flight 4.5 and you are using WTFOS, Update your goggles. Update your goggles to get the latest MSP OSD package. Because otherwise, it'll try and paint your warnings in red, but it ain't got a red font. And on older versions, when it doesn't have a red font, it doesn't show you anything. So update the goggles on WTFOS if you're flying Beta Flight 4.5, and then all your warnings and things will come up as normal. Otherwise, when it thinks it's drawing red, you're going to see nothing. Um, if you do the update, when it draws red, you just get white, which is what you want. So a little, little bit of advice there. But yeah, so 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 far, so so good over here. Um, I'll, I'll take these out and have a bit of a gun around with O3. I'm still getting used to the O3. It's, uh, it's an interesting system. It's, it's not perfect just because it's a pricey system. I don't think that means it does everything right. There's still some very strange business when you do like slow pans the quad movement comes out smooth in the recorded video but through the goggles you will quite often see a stuttering and uh, i can't tell what's going on there the picture is really nicely done i mean you can't complain of the camera modules in these they're they're, they're genuinely cinematic it means it's a little bit hard going from bright to dark as i mentioned before but they're pretty good but there is a bit of an odd stutter which makes me feel perhaps when people talk about disconnected i didn't feel it with the old dgi system i think i feel it more with the o3 than i did with the old one um which i wasn't i wasn't expecting at all but um yeah i'll give it a shot see how it works out interesting mm. I, I i heard uh, last week you were talking about you still had some you loved the fact it was very cinematic, but because it was very cinematic, it didn't handle light to dark or dark yeah. to light very well. Right. I was flying somewhere where there was a big tree canopy area. They had a little, little fire pit down next to where we were staying, and there were some trees over that, and uh, and the, where we were hiding away from the sun when it was really stinking hot last week. 
And uh, so I was sitting down there, flying from there, and then going out from under the tree canopy into the right. And there was several seconds of complete sun dazzle. And, um, and this happened again and again. And I, I did the same flying on walk snail. And on walk snail, it was very much just like a snap. You see the white, there's a bit of a flash, and then it dials it down. Whereas with O3, it was like those slow cinematic walking out into the sunlight scenes you might see in movies where a character opens the door and walks out and there's a boom, big blinding light. Boom, and then as they move light, out, it slowly, it slowly yeah. fades down. And that's what you get. And it, it's wonderfully cinematic. But when you're flying, you have a, oh, poop has come out moment for several seconds when you're just like, am I going to hit something? Am I going to get caught in the grass? Where is the grass? Where is everything? And um, that that was disarming and a little bit problematic. But you can't argue with the footage it records afterwards. It looks great, so long as you've got lots of light. If you go into really dark places, it's, it's, it's a little tricky. Though I have found that if you enable this, there's like a 10-bit option that they name something else, like a ProRes option that basically gives you more detail in the shadows than the default settings do. And some people have said that makes it even harder to fly, but it does really make the footage look a lot better. So if you can fly with the 10-bit stuff, that's that's better. Unfortunately, the file sizes are ginormous. Like, uh, genuinely struggle to play them back. And uh, I've managed to somehow break hardware acceleration. So now I can't play back my DVI DVR here. It's just, it's just loading on me. Jeez. I suppose, um, like, I got a lot of, a lot of whingy comments from the HD Zero video because I talked about perhaps the reason you might use them over something else was latency is very low and it's fixed. And now I got a load of complaints saying, I fly DJI and the latency isn't a problem. It's like, it's not a problem because you get used to what you use and you get to know what you can and can't do. But it's a bit like, uh, like when I flew SBUS, there was nothing wrong with it. It felt brilliantly. And then I had the same quad and I had Crossfire on it, which I managed to switch over within two minutes and fly again. It was like, oh, this feels completely different. There was nothing wrong with it previously, but now it feels faster. It's kind of like that. But you, you get used. You get used to what you can do and what you can't do. And when you fly something like that all the time, it, it becomes like the, the, next, the new normal, doesn't it? Yeah, you definitely get used to these things. And I, I, fl I still fly analog. I've got you know a bunch of whoops. I've dismantled the only HD zero quad I had because I wasn't really enjoying that, but I've got a lot of analog and I do fly them, you know, when it, the park's bustling and I just want to go and fly a couple of light little 2S packs for a few minutes just to chill out, go and fly those around a, a smaller area where I can kind of have space around people a bit more easily than I can if I'm flying like a three or three and a half inch. Um, I don't tend to notice a big difference between analog and digital. But I guess with analog, I'm often flying like a, a Rattel, which I think is quite a slow analog camera anyway. So that might play into it. Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly think there's a problem with uh, latency in digital. I think it's more of a problem when the latency changes, which is when you notice it. But you're generally at the edge of what you can do when that sort of thing kicks in, aren't you? Yeah, it's the variation, especially when you do those moves like you're holding the quad mostly level 
uh, I guess you really only see this with quads because you can hold a couple of axes level and just pan another axis. And then you're like, well, this isn't quite right. And you might see it sometimes in like low frame rate movies on a really big screen where you get this perceptible frame judder. But with movies, it's often, well, it, it is because they have a reg well-regulated clock that it's a constant judder. Whereas with DJI, you're like, you're smooth and it goes chuka, 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 and then smooth. And it, it is a bit of a, did I, did I really see that? What, what happened there? Mm. Yeah, it's, it throws you off a, a wee bit, unfortunately. Yeah, I can imagine. You can learn to deal with it. I've heard it's better if you go from auto to a fixed channel. But um, as Gavin Lee found when we were in Croatia, if you're on a fixed channel with O3 and someone else fires up on that channel, you get blown out just like if you're on analog. Because they've redesigned the way that channel migration occurs with O3. Like the, the old DJI system, you'd say, oh, I'm, I'm going on channel two. And someone would like fire up analog and it would kind of just more or less blow out the analog pilot and you'd you'd carry on. Whereas with O3, if someone fires up on your channel, it's got a much higher likelihood of just freezing the image. And I had it completely freeze on me when I was about 70 meters away. And luckily I was like all of four foot off the ground. So I just disarmed and went down and then went to find out where it was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not a perfect system. We do hear that DJI is probably bringing out a successor for their uh, kind of prosumer drone series soon. So maybe that finds its way into FPV. Maybe it doesn't. We'll have to wait and see. Mm. Well, they're always bringing out something new, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, on GoPro, we've released something new, but I think we've all seen that they've really just uh, changed the, the name on it. It's not the same. It's not different to previous years. Yeah. I think, I think we had the discussion about that one when you were off about like one of the problems is they've they've slightly increased what it can do but i think they've kept the same processor in there which was already running far too hot as it was yeah. and that's just gonna boil in the bag yeah it's not great and um when i was in croatia a few people had the insta 360 and i think they wanted to like them because they're they've got good optics they've got a great sensor but they just weren't doing things right for some reason people just found it hard to put on the quad or hard to get into their workflow. And for whatever reason, GoPro are in that niche where they know their market well enough that everyone has already learned the problems with GoPros. They don't need to go and do any workarounds or hacks to get them running. It's a known quantity, whereas Insta360, I feel, never made it to that known quantity. They're always surprising their customers by not behaving the way that people expect them to, like, like GoPro do. Yeah, I'm still I'm still deciding whether to get a um, an Insta 360 X3 um, for my next holiday in January. Uh, on on the basis that when I go snorkeling and point it at a fish, if the fish is goes behind me or something, maybe it'll work. But it hasn't it hasn't quite got the nice the niceness of what a GoPro can do there, but at the same time, you don't have to get it perfectly lined up at the same time, and it's less likely to just suddenly go beep, beep, beep underwater and stop where I can't sort it out properly. Should we call yeah. it there, guys? We've, uh, we've 
I think we've done our quota. <laughs> done our quota. <laughs> done our quota. Well, I was going to say it's lovely for everyone, but yeah, if, if, we, if it's quota time, then. That's quota time. God, here we yeah, are. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm also on. Hello. I'm also on the Thursday night show tonight. So if you like 80s music and me with my trying traveling sex robot, uh, come over and join us on the Thursday night show.com. We're playing from 12 to 1, I think. So. I'm always I'm always glad for the company and always pleased to hear some LDO people in there. So I've got a set up for that. Is that your time traveling sex robot in the background? Yep. Wave protocol. Wave. Yep. There you go. <laughs> 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 it's just, it's just <laughs> a good show, chat. Right, thank you to our Patreons. Thank you to everyone who's watching. If you haven't subscribed, Go do it now. Like and subscribe. Oh, feels so dirty saying it. Thanks, Jack. All right. Thank uh, you, everyone. Tonight, you have been joined by everyone's favorite curry kitten. Goodbye. The ever present Jack. Meow, 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 meow. Good luck on the Thursday night show, Jack. And myself, Thank Stephen. You. Have a great week and catch you next time. Bye. Telemetry lost.